Hello, my besties. We're going to call this a quick and dirty podcast episode because once again, I am in my car recording a shorty, about to take a nice walk out in the sunshine, and I don't have an intro for this episode. I don't have my theme music, and so we're going to call it a quick and dirty in the car episode. And in this one, I want to talk about how to use your anger for good. Now, as I sit here recording this, we're in the first day of Scorpio, and according to all the hippies that I follow online, you know, Scorpios get a little spicy, they get a little mad. I myself am a Leo, I'm not a Scorpio, but I definitely felt some anger today, and I caught myself just like wanting to listen to some Beyonce and get a little pissy, and I think that's totally fine. I think it's totally fine to embrace your anger, and I think that when we're talking about how can we improve our life, how can we create the life that we truly deserve, some of that requires a little bit of selfishness, and some of that requires a little bit of of righteous anger. And what I mean by that is not that we should walk around filled with rage and and being a victim and, and having a pity party. What I mean is, Sometimes what the reason why we don't build the life we deserve, as we've talked about in other episodes on this podcast, has to do with feelings of unworthiness, um, feelings of not good enoughness, and, uh, you know, looking outside yourself for validation or permission that you can have the life you want or build the life that you want, um, not being willing to be unapologetic about who you want to become and why you want what you want, um, that it's not okay or safe to say that I want more for myself. I want more free time. I want more luxury. I want more money. And I've talked about all of that a lot, but let's talk about why you're mad, right? Like I think everyone has had an experience in their life where they were taken advantage of, where they were cheated, where someone scammed them, Or maybe they just didn't know enough about what they were doing to do things right. And so you have regrets when you look back. But a lot of times, someone deliberately made you small. Somebody deliberately took your money or took advantage of you in some way. And in in real estate investing, this is super, super common. I've talked about this. There's an episode, I think it's called The Super Villains of Real Estate, that you can go back and listen to where I talk about this in more detail. But what happens is we get burned, right? So let's say that you lost a property to foreclosure and the banks, um, you know, didn't really treat you very well when you were having trouble paying your mortgage. Or let's say some shysty real estate agent or loan officer put you into a bad mortgage, talked you into doing something you shouldn't have done. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to go on a rant about all the things that can go wrong in real estate, but there's a lot of them and a lot of people have been taken advantage of. And maybe it wasn't even about real estate. Maybe it was just about some other financial decision or, or something where someone burned you and the result of that is that you don't have enough self-trust to really do the things you know you should do. And when you start listening to a show like this and you start thinking about what's possible in your life and you start thinking about what you really want in life, you don't actually take an action on that. And there is something that's going on in between you having a desire for something, a want for something, and your failure to take action on that thing. The the usually has to do with something that's happened to you, right? It's some sort of... Um, 
belief you decided about yourself as a result of something that happened to you. And so one of the things that helps me is to get mad, right? So in my life, um, man, I could tell a thousand stories about why I can be mad about things that should not have happened to me, but I'm going to share one from my past. I don't think I've shared this one before on the podcast. When I was 18, I lived in Berkeley, California. I had um, the upper half of a duplex. It was a three bedroom, one bath, upper half of a duplex in North Berkeley, which is a beautiful part of the Bay Area. It's the home of the hippie movement. Um, it was a fabulous place to grow up. And the part where I lived was very close to what they call the gourmet ghetto with world-class restaurants and just a beautiful place to grow up altogether. And I had lived there my most of my life. I lived there with my parents and then later with my guardian, Stephanie, who's now my mom. And we, Stephanie had been in this upper half of this duplex for many, many years and she had rent control. So we had great low rent there. And when she moved out and got married, I stayed and I had a couple of roommates and we lived there for very cheap. And I'm, when I say cheap, like we're talking, this was in the nineties, but even back then it would have cost $1,800 a month or something to rent that place. And we were paying like 600 a month. So about a third of market rent is what we were paying, which is why they have rent control to keep Berkeley affordable. And, uh, anyway, that's a whole nother debate. But, uh, in this situation, I really loved having my childhood home at a price I could really afford. I was going to college. I was working only part-time, which was great. And the owner of the duplex passed away. And when he passed away, his kids decided they wanted to sell the duplex. It actually was a triplex. There was a duplex and then with a up, uh, below unit and above unit. And then behind that, there was a little cottage. And I lived in the upper half of the duplex. We had this big, beautiful deck in the backyard. And uh, it was a second story deck. So it was really nice. So here I am living with my roommate friends, going to college, um, you know, working part time and paying little to no rent compared to what most people were paying, especially for that neighborhood. And the new owner decides that we should move out. Now, we have tenancy laws in California and we can talk about why that makes it not the best place to be a landlord. Berkeley is notorious for um, benefiting tenants. And I always felt that I can understand both sides of that debate and both sides of that argument because I have been on both sides of it. And so here is the story of me being on the tenant side of things. I've also got stories of being on the landlord side of things. So I have very mixed views about this. So I'm not trying to be political here, just trying to tell a story. So in the tenants' rights in Berkeley, even back then, you cannot evict someone from a unit that they've lived in just because you bought it and you want to charge more for that unit. You can only do it when you want to live in it yourself. Well, in a triplex, you can't say that you're going to live in all three units. You can only say you're going to live in one. So the new owner moved into the rear unit and they kept trying to tell us that we needed to move out, but we didn't want to move out because why would we give up our super cool flat in North Berkeley and in the neighborhood that I grew up in on the block I'd lived since I was four years old. And I will never forget being on the back deck with my roommate. Both of us were in college, um, you know, being young, 20-somethings, barbecuing and having fun. When the new owner who was living in the rear, cottage in the rear would open his curtains and take off all his clothes and spin in a slow circle with no clothes on. 
um, and flash us. And it was super traumatic and super evil in my mind. But not knowing anything and not being a real estate agent, not having any idea of what my rights were, we just got freaked out and scared and we moved. Now, looking back, I would have done so much differently. You know, I would have sued that guy's pants off. I'd probably still be in the upper half of that duplex if I'd known then what I know today. But, um, but I didn't know any of that, right? I didn't know any of that. I moved out. My next apartment was $1,800 a month, three times as much. I had to drop out of college and start working. Um, you know, I didn't have a college fund or anything like that. And I, my next apartment was in the hood, you know, not as nice of a neighborhood. There were definitely drug dealers on the corner and sideshows outside my window. If you don't know what a sideshow is, you can Google that. But basically, I went from my nice, safe place that I grew up in to the hood. And, and because this guy sexually harassed us at a minimum... Um, that happened. And for many years, I was too busy surviving to really think about it. So it wasn't until later when I became a real estate agent and learned the law that I thought back on that situation and realized just how despicable and illegal it was. And I, I use that story to tell you that I get filled with a quiet rage when I think about things like that, that happened to me and so many stories of other people, other women who have been through stuff like that, I get full of rage. And I now choose to forgive my younger self, first of all, because we got to clean up here. I choose to forgive my younger self for not knowing enough to do, to do better. I know that I did the best I could with the resources and tools that I had and the knowledge that I had at that time as a young girl. I think I was 19, 20 when that happened. No, 19. So I forgive my 19-year-old self for not knowing enough to fight back. And I don't know if I can quite stretch that to give forgiveness to the dude who spun naked in the window flashing two 19-year-old girls so that he could get them to move out. I don't think I forgive him. But I have some forgiveness for myself so that I can clear off that emotion. But I still have this rage. I have rage for every time anyone has been disenfranchised or taken advantage of. And I feel like I can channel that. I can use that anger as motivation to do better in business myself, to remain ethical, but not always be such a sweet, nice girl as we've been taught to be. Because sometimes when I'm doing business, the culture of wanting to be a good girl affects my business decisions. Sometimes I get this urge to offer um, you know, a seller more money for their house than I should because I want to be nice. And I wonder where that comes from. And one of the best ways I've found to counteract that nice girl is to get a little mad about the times when being nice did not pay off and, uh, and when I've been taken advantage of. Um, so I just want to invite everybody to really sit back and, and ask yourself, what are some of those memories where you're still carrying some rage? When did somebody take advantage of you? When did they hurt you? And forgive yourself for not knowing better, for not doing whatever it is, for not remembering that comeback line that you come up with after the fact. I know we've all been in that moment. Just think about that and, you know, use that. Channel that power. Channel that power instead of being an inner nice girl. Let's be an inner powerful girl because we are powerful women and we can make our lives the way we want them to be. So that's my thoughts for today in this quick and dirty episode. Hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear your feedback. You can always uh, message me. You can search my name anywhere on social media. My name is Remy Fortier, 
R-E-M-Y-F-O-R-T-I-E-R. And no, it's not 40-er, it's 40-A, like Sydney Portier or Cartier Watch. So if you Google my name, you will find me across all social media platforms, and you can reach out to me, message me. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Take care.